Two Kids and a Career is produced by Jill Devine Media. I don't know much except for Rachel had a two-year battle with cancer and, like I said, lost her life in March of last year. You're right. Um, we had a, a two-year battle with with breast cancer. She had uh, was in remission for, um, gosh, about three months. We thought we were good. We thought we had beat it. We, you know, we did, we, we did everything right. And, um, and then it ended up coming back in her spine. It was such a, an interesting time. And I say interesting because, um, you know, most people don't get, I hate to call it a luxury, but the luxury of, of knowing when, when you're going to be gone. And when you know, you do get to prepare. Two Kids in a Career is brought to you by Blondin Real Estate. They're a family-owned boutique-style brokerage with over 40 years of experience serving the counties that surround St. Louis. See the properties they have to offer at BlondinRealEstate.com. That's BlondinRealEstate.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm going to start this episode off a little differently than I normally do with my guest because Usually I tell you a little bit as to why I have my guest on and then we get into the story and it's great. But I want to back up a little bit and first learn about my guest and what they do now and then we're going to get into the story. So I want to welcome Brandon Janice to the podcast. How are you? I am doing great, Jill. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. And I just want to know first, what do you do for your profession? Sure. So I have a subscription box company. Um, we own a few different subscription boxes, a couple faith-based subscription boxes, and also have a brand called Fanbox, where we are kind of the turnkey spot for any influencer or brand who would like to start a subscription box. So we do different boxes for those that uh, they would like to be in that in that category. And subscription boxes are definitely taking off. And I think probably even more so because of the pandemic. Would you agree with that? You are, you are 100% (laughs) correct. And I, and I, and I hate to say that. I hate to say that business is good when, when business is so bad in so many places. Um, But we have, we have definitely hit, you know, a chord with people that are sitting at home and they're still spending money in in some cases and um, we're able to deliver boxes right to their door. So it, 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 I, again, I hate to say it's been good for our business, but things have, things have really been keep, we've been really staying busy. Let's put it that way. Well, I did not ask you to come on the podcast to talk about the business. I did actually say to you when we were emailing, oh, I wanted to learn more about the faith-inspired subscription boxes because it is something that is becoming a little bit more relevant in my life. And maybe it's something we could talk about. I don't know, but it's not really what I want to talk to you about. And I just want to introduce how we got introduced and it's just, again, social media is so crazy. You can either love it or hate it or be in the middle. It kind of depends on the day. But 
I wanted to share a little bit with you on what I kind of know and what um, basically how this all started. So let's first go back to I got a message from a mutual friend of ours. His name is John, and he had sent me a message on Instagram because I do this thing called the Supermom Shoutout. And I started this because it was just like, man, there are women out there who are not getting recognized. Like, they just, you need to be seen. You need to be supported. That's all it is. You know, just, hey, tell me a Supermom in your life, and let's just give her a shoutout. And so he sent me a message and he's like, hey, I think this is kind of ironic that you do this super mom shout out. And one of my friends is getting this super dad shout out. And so he sent me this post on, I'll read it from you on Instagram. And it says, so we did this thing and they even put us on TV for it. One of the biggest things I wanted to do for the kids after Rachel passed away was to give them super cool experiences and to make sure that we didn't take a single day for granted. So we built a skate ramp and an A-frame clubhouse in my sister's backyard because that seems like a pretty cool way to grow up to me. And because my kids are so dang cool, they put us on TV. The show is called Super Dad, but it shouldn't be. They are the real MVPs, and I'm just lucky, lucky to get to be daddy to them each and every day. So you can find it on Discovery Plus. You get a seven-day free trial, and you should check it out when you get a chance. And so all of a sudden, I started obviously clicking on it and going, oh, my gosh. So I told this to our mutual friend, John, but I did not tell this to you. Um, I, and tell me if this is correct. When your wife passed away and it was March, 2020, I started seeing mutual friends of ours sharing the details about her death. And is it true that the recommendation for when you all did get together to celebrate her life, did you ask that everybody wear concert tees and comfy pants because that's what she would want? Yes, yes. That's oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> yes, so, she didn't want it to be stuffy. She didn't want it to be all dressy. She wanted to be super casual, and that was her style. And so uh, she she got her wish for sure. <laughs> Well, I immediately, obviously, I connected as a mom and just my my heart dropped when I read this, but I, it's been a joke in our family. I'm like, okay, I don't know yet what we're going to do, but if I am going to be in a casket, you better be putting my Adidas pants on and my comfy shirts and just, I want to be comfy. <laughs> Let's just make it comfy. So I saw that. I was like, oh my gosh. This is amazing. And then I started looking more into her story. And I mean, oh, I, I know that this is not easy. And it's a beautiful story, too. But in preparation for the interview, because I, I'm like, OK, I, I'm pretty sure that this is the guy and the family. And then I started doing some research and I stopped because I didn't want to read or listen to your story with anyone else. I wanted to just hear it so naturally from you and organic. So I don't know much except for Rachel had a two-year battle with cancer and, like I said, lost her life in March of last year. So it's now on you, Brandon. I've talked way too much already. No, well, you're right. Um, we had a, a two-year battle with with breast cancer. She had 
I was in remission for, um, gosh, about three months. We thought we were good. We thought we had beat it. We, you know, we did, we, we did everything right. And, um, and then it ended up coming back in her spine, um, August of, of 19. Um, and then it, uh, continued to progress into her, her spinal fluid and then into her brain, uh, in January of last year. So about a year ago. Uh, and that's when we knew, um, that, that things were not getting better. And, um, it was, it was such a, an interesting time. And I say interesting because, um, you know, most people don't get, and I hate to call it a luxury, but the luxury of, of knowing when, when you're going to be gone. And when, you know, you do get to prepare. Um, and Rachel, that's all she set out to do those last few months was prepare us for life after Rachel, prepare me, prepare the kids, prepare all those that were around us. It was the most selfless act I've ever witnessed in my life um, to worry none about her and and all about us. Um, and you know, most people would would you know start checking things off their bucket list, right? That's that's what you do when you know you're going to die. Uh, and that was not what she did. She she checked things off a to do list to make sure that we were okay. And um, I don't want to say it made it easy because it's far from easy. And being a, a single dad to three kids during a pandemic is not the easiest thing in the world. But man, she sure did allow it to be much easier than it ever should have been. And it taught me that I don't know what tomorrow holds, nor do you, nor does any of the listeners. And um, we need to make sure that we prepare others well. Um, because again, you nailed it. The concert tees. I didn't know she wanted concert tees at her memorial. I didn't know these things, right? <laughs> but she was able to tell me what she wanted. She was able to pick songs for her playlist at her memorial or celebration. She was able to talk about the candy bar that she wanted for the kids, <laughs> you know, in the back of the room, she was able to talk about who she wanted to sing and who she wanted to speak and what she wanted them to talk about. And so things that I didn't have to think about. So it was all done. We, you know, we call it that time. There was so much beauty in, in the brokenness. Uh, it was such a hard time. We spent 40, 39 nights in the hospital uh, before she passed away. Um, people from all over the world came to say goodbye to Rachel, but they left inspired. They left um, ministered to. They left feeling better than when they entered for sure. Rachel, I had a front row seat for, for 39 nights to watch race, Rachel lead people to Jesus, to watch her... Um, you know, share, share so much good and a world that is so broken. Mm. And when she could have felt defeated and she could have just felt beat down and, and given up, she never did. And it was the most beautiful time. And unless you were, were there, you just can't understand. Cause I was watching my, I was literally watching my wife die every day. Uh, and, and, but I was also watching her give so much life to so many people throughout that process. And it's just something I'll, I'll never forget. Like you said, I, I wasn't there, so I don't understand. And I have so many questions. But Kim, before we get to the, the kiddos, tell me how you met Rachel. 
Yeah. So um, I met her through some mutual friends in college. She went to University of Nebraska. I went to Mizzou. Um, and we had some, I had some fraternity brothers that went to high school with her and um, met her on a, on a flag football trip, believe it or not, that we took <laughs> to Nebraska. And one of my buddies on the way there, he said, you're going you're gonna to fall for her. And I, and I wasn't in a position to fall and nor did I want to fall. Um, <laughs> right. And um, it took me 10 years to convince her to, to, to date me and to, to eventually marry me. But it, I finally figured it out and, and, and it happened. And, um, and so, yeah, it was, it was just a, a mutual friends connection that led to 10 years of me chasing her and uh, her finally saying yes. And then we, she passed away uh, 13 days before our 10th year anniversary. You have three kids. I know that you have two daughters and a boy. Can you tell me their names and their ages? Yeah, so Hadley is my oldest. She's nine. And then Cooper is my middle girl, and she's eight. And then Macklin's my little guy, and he is six. Um, I think the thing that I struggle with the most when you were talking about, like, as a mom how do you prepare to say goodbye to your kids? Like, and knowing that we were going to have this conversation, there have been many times, because I, I, I knew she, you know, was, was battling. I saw the pictures on social media when she got to go outside uh, um, because she wasn't really allowed to, right? Yeah. Or, okay. And like she knew and you knew, but... I look at my girls and I think to myself, how, how do you, how? So that's, that's a, a really good question and a hard thing to, to speak on. So one of the things that Rachel and I decided early on before she got really sick, I mean, just when she first got cancer was we talked, okay, do we, are we openly public about this or are we private? And there's no right or wrong. So many people keep this close to home and they don't talk about it. Um, and we decided for a couple of reasons early on, we were going to share it and be open with our kids. We decided one, um, that we wanted people to pray for us. And the more people that could know about it, we believe in the power of prayer, the better. So if we sh shared our story, people were going to pray and that mattered. And two, um, awareness for, for women. Uh, Rachel was super healthy, and and two and a half years ago, or I guess three and a half years ago now, there was there was no sign of any issues. Rachel ate well. She 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 um, was in great shape. She took very good care of herself. There was no reason in the world for it to be her, um, but it happened. And so we want people to understand that it can happen, and detection matters, and to to make sure you are going to your appointments and you are doing your checkups. Um, and, and, and I've gotten hundreds of messages from women that I don't know saying they have, you know, done their mammogram and they've done these things because of Rachel. So, so it worked. Um, but the, the other thing was I, I never wanted to whisper around the kids. Um, we, we were always open with mommy's surgeries and the different things that was going to happen. Um, but I knew also I had to be honest because my girls are going to be teenagers soon. And if they can't trust me now, how are they going to trust me then? And I needed them to be able to know that daddy was telling them the truth. And if I kept, when it got bad, I remember having this conversation with Rachel when we knew we were in the hospital and she wasn't going to come out, uh, barring a miracle. And I remember telling her, I need to tell the kids that mommy's going to go home and be with Jesus. 
And I remember dreading that conversation because it was going to be the hardest conversation in the world. When daddy comes home, that means mommy's at home with Jesus because I was in the hospital too. And so her parents were staying here and they didn't have either parent. And so um, they knew that was the sign. When daddy came home, that means mommy went home and mommy has no more pain and mommy has no more appointments and she has no more uncertainty and she is, she is healed. She's healed in heaven. And then daddy gets to come home and be daddy again. And so um, again, the reason I had to tell them this is because I needed them to trust me. If I'd have kept saying, mommy's going to get better, mommy's going to get better, mommy's going to get better. And then she didn't. How are they ever going to trust me in anything I say to them again? And so I sat them down in the lobby of the hospital a few weeks before Rachel passed. Um, and the doctors had told us there's just nothing more we can do. Um, and, and I just sat them down and I told them, told them that. I said, guys, you know, you know, medically, there's just nothing more the doctors can do. And, and, and mommy's not hurting because, you know, she's got great medicine and, you know, she's, she's feeling good. Um, but there's just nothing they can do to stop the cancer. And um, we're going to keep praying about it and, and we're going to keep hoping. But, you know, there's a, a really good chance that mommy's going to get to go see Jesus soon and, and that daddy's going to get to come home. And we all cried and we all hugged. And, um, you know, they continue to come see mommy every day and hug on her and love her. And, and um, you know, I don't think they ever said bye. I mean, they say bye every time they leave, but I don't think they had that final goodbye, which was OK with us. But I came home the day she passed, March 1st. Of last year and I got home that night about nine o'clock went into my girl's room and and gave him a kiss and they said mommy went to see Jesus I said that's right that's right and I went in and told, talked to my, my my little man and woke him up and just gave him a kiss and said you're home you're home daddy I said I'm home so mommy's with Jesus yeah mommy's with Jesus now and so that's how the conversation went. And it's, there's, there's hard days, there's hard moments. Um, they all still sleep on my floor every night. And, um, and I, I'm never going to stop that until, until they want to, you know, I, I think being honest and transparent made the transition from, from her life on earth to her life in heaven, you know, so much easier that it wasn't a surprise that he didn't lie about anything. Um, and we were in it together. And we're, we're doing life together now and we trust each other and we're walking through it and we're struggling through it and we're stumbling through it. Uh, but we're a team and I love my team and I'm blessed to have, you know, the team that I have uh, as we work through this. How are they today? Like, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my little man, Macklin, was a mama's boy and, um, you know, he was only five when she passed. So half his life, Rachel was sick. And so he was just used to laying next to mommy in bed and, um, you know, just just knowing that mommy was probably not going to be up a bunch. And so that was kind of the life he was used to. So he's still a snuggler and a cuddler. And, and, and you know, I've kind of taken that that place for, for her. Um, my oldest has, has probably taken it. I don't want to say the hardest, but has she internalizes things a lot more. So so she's been, you know, in therapy, which is helping a lot for her. My middle child um, doesn't internalize things, talks about everything. And, and she just, um, she knows mommy's in heaven and she's, she's happy with that. And, you know, that's, that's how we're going to be. And um, all in all, kids are so dang resilient. And 
you know, I honestly don't even know if they know that the year mark is coming up. Um, I, you know, kids, kids' time is so different than our time. I mean, this has been one fifth of Macklin's life this last year, right? It's, it's a big chunk of his life. So I don't know if he feels like it's been years or months or weeks or days. I have no idea. And we talk about mommy every day, but we talk about happy things about mommy. We talk about, you know, remember when mommy used to do this, or this was mommy's favorite food, or gosh, mommy cooks mac and cheese better than you do, daddy, or, you know, all, all those kind of things. It's, it's rarely a sad thing. And I welcome sad. I'm not saying crying and, and letting it go and, and, and all those things is, 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 is bad. That's good. And so we, you know, if, if it comes up and we have hard days, we talk about it. But more often than not, our memories of mommy are so happy and so joyful and we know she doesn't hurt anymore and we know she she's healed and we know she's watching over us and we know all these things. So um, they're doing so well and it's easy for me to say, but until people come see and experience them, um, everybody leaves and says, gosh, they're good. They're happy. They're, they have so much joy. The reason is because of, of what Rachel did to, to prepare us and to let them know that mommy was going to be going to be okay. Cause she was going to get to watch the Super Bowl with Jesus this year. And she was <laughs> going to get to, you know, uh, have dance parties in heaven. And um, so, so they know that mommy's mommy's healed and mommy's good. And so they're good. I'm going to interrupt the conversation with Brandon for just a minute to talk to you about one of the sponsors of the podcast, and that would be Blondin Real Estate. I've said this to you before that you have tons of choices from the ketchup you choose for your French fries or maybe you like mayonnaise. I don't really care what you put on your French fries, but the ability to choose, that's the beauty. And I know that there are a lot of real estate agencies out there. And I encourage you, Blonde and Real Estate encourages you to look at all of your options and find out what best suits your needs. If you really want an agency that is going to specialize in exactly where you live based on your needs and your choices, Blonde and Real Estate is the answer. So let's say you know that you want to have have a beautiful garden and you want to be able to just take over your backyard and you need lots of space for that. Well, Bond and Real Estate knows where that beautiful yard and beautiful garden exist for you. They know all of those details. They go above and beyond. And so I am telling you, consider this choice when it comes to moving or when it comes to selling. Blondinrealestate.com. Blondinrealestate.com. You will definitely love the choice of Blondin Real Estate. Now let's get back to the conversation with Brandon. One of the things that I know that you shared on Instagram recently was a dance party that she had and had it with the kids before what was it was not too far off before she passed correct yeah so that was gosh that was three nights before we went to the hospital um and then and then never came out so um i know she was in so much pain because i remember telling me that night because so so the the cancer was all in her her back and so she just had so much back pain and and 
just debilitating. Um, and I don't know where she got the strength to, to have that final dance with, with Cooper, my, my middle girl who, who was her dance partner. Um, but she did. And it was such a special, beautiful uh, uh, moment that I think we'll cherish forever. And I think maybe that's where, when you were saying for someone like me and others who get really sad and I'm crying. And I think it's, because we do think about those things like our family loves to have dance parties or I can't imagine saying goodbye. And I don't really know how I'm trying to word this, but it's very easy probably for people like me to be super sad and super emotional because, you know, we're not in the midst of it. Like what you were saying, it hit me was there have been things that you you had to deal with and you had to, to, to face head on and and not that it makes it easier, like you said, but it does kind of make it easier. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, it makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's again, it's hard to explain because because you're you're not in it. But when you're in it and you're able to prepare um, for for what's to come, um, it's it's crazy. And again, I, I tell every couple should have some of these conversations. Every every. A uh, loved one should have these conversations. Um, I, I didn't know Rachel didn't want to be buried. I didn't know she wanted to be cremated. I didn't know that. And I'm glad she was able to tell me that. So that's not something I had to decide or or or, or talk about um, and, and make that decision. I did, you know, there was just certain, you know, whether there were medical things, whether there were financial things, there were certain things that we were able to talk about. Um, and even to the to the to the point of future relationships. Like Rachel was so adamant on me finding someone again and and giving me that permission, you know, not that I needed it, but it sure does make it easier as I go on in life, knowing that Rachel said, you, you have got to find love again and, and I'll be their number one fan. And <sighs> as long as they're good to the kids and they're good to you, um, then, then this is great. And so just things like that, where I know some people would be like, you better not, <laughs> you know, Rachel much more, she was just selfless, so selfless to the very end. Um, and again, you just, you know, you don't know, you don't want to know when you're going to die. Nobody yeah. wants to know when they're going to die. But when you know you're going to die, Jill, you are able to prepare and you're able to have those tough conversations. And um, it's, there's just something so special about, um, about that and just being able to prepare everyone for 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 life after Rachel and and so many people have stepped up so many of her girlfriends have just you know taken the role of mom to my girls and and helped me with with doctors and dentist appointments because I didn't do that and you know just things that I didn't think about because I didn't do Rachel had set in place so it would be easier on me death has always been something that I have never really been able to talk about and I remember having yeah. that conversation with a friend of mine. And she said, you know, what really, I don't think anybody loves to talk about death, but what she had said was her faith had, had made her be able to be okay with it. And I said, well, I don't understand what you mean. She's like, oh my gosh, I get to go to Jesus and heaven in this beautiful place. And I have definitely come a long way in regard to my faith and I, rem I remember I was pregnant with 
our youngest. She's two. And my husband and I, we were having a date night and I brought it up. I was like, this is so not a date night conversation, but we probably should have a conversation about our deaths. Like, do you want to be cremated? And we, we had a little bit of the conversation. We have not finished it, but we started it. And, um, you know, listening to you, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be finished, but I hear a lot of people talk about how the death situation for them is so much better because of Jesus and knowing where to go. And um, don't get me wrong, Brandon, like I think it sounds glorious to be in this beautiful place. And as I'm learning more about Jesus and I'm learning more about, you know, the Bible and everything, but I have a hard time saying that. I want to go, if that makes sense. Like I can't, I have a hard time just processing that as far as being like, well, the minute I say that I'm ready, I'm ready to go. That means that I don't want to be with my loved ones. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. If it makes you feel any better, I'm not ready to go. Um, you know, we joke around, around these parts that I'm kind of the most valuable family member and all the family because my, you know, my kids need one parent, right? So um, I'm going to stick around a while, you know, God willing. But you know, that's, that's such a, I I don't know how well I can speak to that. Because other than than watching her, I I wasn't, I wasn't her. And the, 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 um, the realness of the conversation, and the fact that when she knew she was going to die, she was able to say, I know I'm going to die. I have very little left to give. So all I'm going to give is Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. When anyone comes in this room, I'm just going to give hope and I'm going to give Jesus. Um, and, and that's what she did. And, and, and I, again, I just watched it over and over and over again, but I was not the one dying. Um, I, was, I was losing the love of my life and it was so hard to watch, you know, a lot of times, but at the same time, you know, as I said, it was just such a beautiful, uh, a beautiful process. And, it, you know, she, she didn't, she didn't fear it. She accepted it. Um, and, and it was, it was, she, she, she's a much better person than I am. And I remember her saying something about not fearing death because as long as she was alive, she was alive. And then once she was dead, there was nothing more to worry about. And so she just lived while she was alive. She lived as well as she could and just knew where she was going. And it was just, I remember my pastor coming in one day who visited often and, you know, in the hospital, there was, there was three or four times we thought we were going to lose her. And so there were three or four times I had, I said, bye. Um, and, and that was not the, the most fun thing in the world to, to continue to do that over and over again. But I remember him, we just knew we, we just weren't getting better. And the doctor just kept telling us, you know, like, yes, we, we believe in miracles, but there's just nothing medically we can do. And she just kept hanging on, hanging on. I remember my pastor coming one day and saying, it's okay to be relieved when she goes. And that was a big thing for me to hear. Um, because it was a lot for me being able to, to not being able to be dad and not being able to be home and my kids, you know, um, 
not having mom or dad. And, and we were so grateful because we had her parents here. And, and that was a, a great, you know, season for, for the kids to have grandma and papa living with us. Right. Um, but there was a, there was a little bit of a relief because I didn't have to watch her hurt. I didn't have to watch her on drugs. I didn't have to watch her, uh, with the uncertainty and the pain and the, and all the things. And, um, I do remember that, that day thinking, okay, it's over. It's over now. And being, I mean, sad. And and this was all with tears, but there was some sort of relief and this may sound terrible to those listening, but just knowing it was over and she was healed and I could go be dad. And that's what mattered at that time. I don't think it sounds terrible at all. I think that it makes complete sense. And when you're talking about these things, you know, sometimes you go, I think, well, a friend of mine called him, you know, the faith crisis when something, you know, bad happens, whether it's sudden or even this, like you start to question your faith or what have you. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I think about, you know, that we are on (laughs) this earth for a purpose. And sometimes I think, okay, once our purpose is done, then Jesus is like, come Mm. on home. And there are some situations where I'm like, I don't know if that's, I I don't know. It like kind of (laughs) gets convoluted at times, but I think I'm speaking for you, but what the, the, the thing with Rachel, of course, her kids would love to have their mother. Of course, her husband would love yeah. to have his wife. But from my understanding and just the brief time we've had together, like she has made such a difference on so many mm. people. Like she was a disciple for sure. That's so true. Um, gosh, there was there was atheists that were on the floor that were nurses that, that came to know Jesus. There were people <sighs> that had wandered away from Jesus. It came closer to Jesus. There was doctors that, that you know, had the idea that that you know only medicine can heal. That believed in no, that's not true. You know, and and you know Rachel's biggest fear was was that people would turn from him because she wasn't healed. Mm. Um, that was her biggest fear as she as she continued to get worse. That that people are going to turn away from Jesus because I'm not getting better, and so she she you know, gave every ounce she had to make sure that didn't happen for people. And that um, her, her purpose was fulfilled and that she, you know, you nailed it. She, she was a disciple till, till the very end and brought a lot of people to the kingdom and, um, you know, left this place so much better. She left, she left this earth, you know, people try their whole lives to have an impact and, and, and Rachel did it in, in such a short life uh, for so many people. She just loved so well. Um, and she loved, she loved as close to the love that Jesus has for others as I've seen in a human being. Um, a selfless, unconditional, beautiful love. And, um, you know, I was just a the lucky one that that got to get the most of that man she just is incredible and i know i can't meet her right now but i can 
meet her in my prayers. And I'm definitely going to introduce myself because she can teach so many of us so many things to do. Like, it's just hard sometimes um, to live in the moment at times. And, you know, I hate to have a story like Rachel's just kind of snap me out of it sometimes. But, oh, that's clearly what needs to happen we don't take we don't take a moment for granted anymore um because we just don't know and life is so dang short you know three and a half years ago rachel was perfectly healthy and there were no issues and we were living our life and we were doing the best we could and um and that changed and then we had one focus for for two years was to keep rachel alive and what we learned during that time is that most things don't matter that much. And for two years, there wasn't an argument. There wasn't a disagreement. There wasn't there because it just didn't matter. All that mattered was taking care of each other and making sure that we kept her alive. And I hope that I continue to live my life realizing that most stuff is kind of stupid and the things <laughs> that we argue about and the things that we get frustrated about and the things that stress us out um, usually work themselves out and um, and just don't matter. And so, so, and I think she taught a lot of people that, that we don't know what tomorrow holds. And is this grudge worth having? You know, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Is it worth, um, you know, being upset with so-and-so? We don't, we just don't know. And um, I just want to continue to love well, like she did. And 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 so many others have, have been inspired by her to do the same thing. And I think, again, I, the ripple effect that she had, um, I think she left the world in a better place and as messy as it feels sometimes, and maybe I'm in a bubble, but, um, you know, those that she was able to impact, um, I think do love better and do hug longer, you know, pandemic or not. And it's just, it's just a, a beautiful, um, representation of some of the things that she left behind. You know, you started kind of the, the, the podcast with, the, the super dad thing and just making experiences for my kids and, um, you know, saying yes before no, um, just, just living and doing and realizing that, um, the mess doesn't matter and the laundry can wait and the, um, they can miss the day of school. And, you know, you know, I'm not saying not discipline. I'm not saying have to be the, the fun dad all the time. Cause let me tell you, it's hard being good cop and bad cop. Rachel was a great bad cop and now I've got to be both. And it's, it's not fun a lot of times, but I want my kids to, to be kids. I don't want them to feel like they had to grow up fast because mommy wasn't here anymore. I don't want them to look back on that time and think, man, that was hard. You know, I want them to be able to enjoy the short, time they have as kids just be able to to shower them with with fun and love and and also discipline because i want them to be great kids um and mind their manners and be kind to other people and love people well um and so again all of these things are a reflection of of rachel and the things that were important to her we don't have much time left um so there are a couple of 
questions that I do want to ask before I let you go. But first question is, how is Brandon? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I am I am good. Um, so we're coming up on the on the year anniversary, and so this season last year, this this month that we were in the hospital was 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 hard and long, and the memories that pop up, you know, every day on social media are from this season. And I was telling a, a widow or a friend of mine, I said, "Man, I wish I could fast forward through this month." And just get to the other side of the first year, um, but just because March second comes around doesn't mean things are going to be better and easier, and there's not going to be more, uh, you know, struggle and heartache. And um, so, I think the first year, from what I'm hearing from those that have gone through this, is is the hardest, uh, and we're we're almost we're almost through that. Um, but I'm I'm happy. And um, I have most days are filled with a lot more laughter than anything else. And um, I, I have joy and, um, you know, I, I have my time to grieve um, and I, you know, I, I welcome that time. Um, but again, through the the preparation of the conversations we were able to have. Um, I miss her like crazy and I'd give anything to have her back. Um, but I, I know where we are, where we are. And um, I'm just trying to figure out, like I said, the, the being mom and dad and good cop and bad cop and, and maid and, and um, gosh, house cleaner and laundry person and, um, you know, soccer mom and all the things. I'm just doing my best to, to, to balance it all. And, and, um, and I'm failing a lot. <laughs> and I know um, my kids would love to have their mommy cook them a good meal. And I know um, they would love to have a dance party with mommy. I know all these things, but I'm just doing the best I can to, to give them all those things. I'm not trying to replace mommy because no one can ever replace mommy. Um, but that's a very long answer to I'm, I'm doing well and I'm in a good place and um, I'm happy. I miss her, but I'm really happy. A lot of those things that you said, it's the same for all of us. We're mm -hmm. just trying to to make it. I, I joke around lately, like minute by minute. <laughs> That's yeah. what we do, minute by minute. Um, it makes me happy to hear that you're happy. Um, I actually have two more questions. I lied to you. Uh, what's her favorite concert tea? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great question. So Bon Jovi. So ah. um, yeah, Bon Jovi was the first concert we went to together. And I think the the one person she would have left me for. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a popular, popular question yeah. or a popular guy amongst some women. So sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, now my final question, what does the listener need to do? What do they need to do to help you to help their self. I will share the one thing that I didn't realize I was going to start doing until now. But one thing that you kept saying throughout this podcast, and it's a hashtag that you like to use, love like Rachel, I am going to put that all over um, my planner, my house, wherever I can to remind myself 
in those times where maybe that argument starts to happen or something starts to bother me, I want to look to Love Like Rachel because that's a great reminder. Well, that you stole mine, but I'll, I'll come up with another one. <laughs> um, Sorry. No, I think, I think be present. Um, one of the things that, that, that Rachel uh, taught me and it took a lot because I could work 24-7. And as, as a man, I felt like that was my job to provide and to work and to just hustle. And that wasn't, that meant nothing to Rachel. What meant something to Rachel, when everything to Rachel was, was for me to be present. And um, I remember earlier on in our marriage, the kids were, I think, four, three, and two, or four, three, and one. Um, I was traveling a bunch and Rachel decided she was going to go with me and the kids were going to come with me. And we ended up getting a motor home for a year and they traveled around the country with me um, because that was important enough to her to pick up her, you know, the life of she and the kids to be with me everywhere we went. And what that taught me is that um, the webinar can wait, the client can wait, the, um, you know, the call can wait. Um, what matters most most of the time is uh, is those kids and your spouse and being truly present with them. And I've tried to continue to do that. I don't want my kids to grow up thinking my phone matters more or my work matters more um, than, than them. And it's amazing what happens when you give your kids just 10 minutes of undivided attention and have conversations with them or wrestle with them or play Legos with them uh, how how important that that is to them. And so um, be present, be present in your conversations with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers. Um, again, something Rachel was so good at was just being in the moment, living in that moment uh, and being present. And so between loving like Rachel and being present and not taking a dang second for granted, because we just don't know. So to love people well, love people hard, hug them longer. Rachel was a, known for long hugs, uncomfortably long hugs. She just wouldn't let you go. Um, and I know with the pandemic, the hugs are the hugs are few and far between. But when we can get back to to hugging, you know, just hug and hug hard. Um, and I think that's the best advice I can leave you with. We are at that point in the episode where it is time to shout out a super mom. And it shouldn't surprise you that this week's Supermom shout out is going to Rachel, the woman that we have talked about this entire episode. This isn't a nomination from me. This isn't a nomination from, well, it's a nomination on behalf of all that knew and loved Rachel and continue to love Rachel. I am just speaking on their behalf. I just know how much this episode has inspired me, how much it has hit me. I mean, I have hashtag love like Rachel written down based on what Brandon said. And you better believe that I am going to post that everywhere to remind myself not to sweat the small stuff and to remind myself to be kind and to love and to be selfless. I just think it's a true testimony to Rachel's character that people are still so inspired by her 
I don't, I've never even met her. And I am just like, whoa, I, I want to be like Rachel. So her legacy, man, what a legacy. And the kiddos, they are going to just keep making Rachel proud. And I just, um, Rachel, I know that you are in heaven doing some amazing things and helping those of us that are waiting to get to heaven just to keep the love, keep the kindness, and just keep on going. So I see you and I support you. And wow, what an inspiration. If there is a super mom in your life that you would like to shout out, just email me hello at jilldevine.com. Tell me her name, why you're nominating her, and where she's from. And she'll get that super mom shout out in an upcoming episode of Two Kids in a Career. And thank you, as always, for the support and for listening. You know, Rachel's story needs to be shared. So if you know someone who would benefit from this, share the episode, uh, like it, review, subscribe. I don't know. I just, this needs to be in the hands of others. So I thank you in advance for thinking of doing that and for following in Rachel's footsteps and just loving people and being kind. 